Everybody has a passion, but what if you could get paid to talk about your passion? If you do not know about Anchor, it is by far the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's completely free. There's tons of tools that enable you to record and edit your podcast from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it will be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Oh Hill Yeah podcast. I'm Carolina Dave. It's the Panther Guru. It's 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody uh, gets out, celebrates with their family, be responsible, enjoy uh, our country, our independence. But uh, we got a lot of things to talk about, Mr. Guru. Absolutely. And I'm super excited to be back on another episode. For sure, and uh, finally, my my main man Hubert Davis has been listening. Uh, I I know I get labeled as being impatient, but it looks like he's trying to fill out this uh, this class of this twenty twenty one basketball roster. Um, Dawson Garza Garcia uh, Marquette has entered the transfer. uh, portal unfortunately he's not a uh, well-kept secret because a lot of major programs are going after him and as well they should he's actually uh, got a visit lined up for illinois Uh, texas is going after him and several other several other um, teams he was a four-star recruit and he was a freshman last season, but he left his mark. I mean, obviously, we've seen him play against Carolina when they scheduled that game, and he, he kind of, you know, dominated. He's six foot 11, 230 pounds. And uh, Mr. Guru, you and me have been well noted saying that Carolina needs another true big man to back up Baycott uh, to split some minutes with him. And would he not look great in Carolina blue and also feel the role that is needed right now? No, definitely, and that's where I was definitely going to go with it. The fact that we had said that we would need some more uh, bigger bodies to really help out this Carolina team and finish rounding out this roster. If you look like somebody uh, like Dawson Garcia, it's almost like, oh, man, you can't get a better um, opportunity than this. It's like he kind of fell into the Tar Heels' lap. If they can get him, of course, that is. I mean, the guy is 6'11", 222 pounds. He's a very capable rebounder. Um, his length really allows him to be an exceptional shot blocker. Um, so all parts of his game coming into being, it's a really good opportunity for the uh, Tar Heels to really add another player that's really going to be versatile to the offense because, honestly, this guy can make three-point shots too, and he's not that bad off the dribble. So he has significant upside. Also, Roy Williams uh, recruited him as well. Um but it was he it was a stacked class coming in. You got to think, you know, 
uh, Walker Kessler and Daron Sharp coming in. So that might be the reason why, obviously, he didn't uh, commit to Carolina. Hopefully, that uh, relationship that's already built um, can turn out to the Tar Heels' favor. But the other schools I had mentioned, obviously, uh, North Carolina, Arizona, Texas, Illinois, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, Georgia Mason, and also it's possible for him to return to Marquette. Um, that's a lot of schools. We'll just have to see where it goes, uh, but it'd be huge. Um, obviously, there's a few more roster spots left for the for the Tar Heels, but having a guy that can make an immediate impact come in and somebody that has uh, multiple years of eligibility, it's not like they're getting grad transfers with this in this case. Um, could he end up in the NBA after this season? Very possible. Could he come back and be a, um, a junior for the Tar Heels? That's also possible as well. We'll just have to see. Um, I think this will move fast because he won't, he'll want to get on campus uh, wherever he ends up and, um, you know, get, get at least with the team and figure out the offense, figure out uh, how, how he would fit in. Um, other schools might be a candidate as well because he could obviously be a starter there. Um, it's going to be a, a hard sell on that uh, front for the Tar Heels, given you have uh, an experienced player like Armando Baycott, who has been putting in a lot of work this offseason. Um, if if Hubert Davis could could sell that, he's he's been great in recruiting in the past, but this would obviously, bottom line, be a huge get for the Tar Heels. No, absolutely. Like I said, it would be somebody that has NBA potential and could really be a key player on this roster. Uh, it would definitely improve their chances when it comes tournament time and somebody that Hubert Davis has to be taking a strong look at for sure. Yes. The, it just the, uh, I would, I would even think it would move the needle in. Uh, I know I, a lot of us listeners and fans and, uh, people in the media, uh, you know, a lot of people put out the preseason uh, power rankings are the way too early, top 25, and a lot of people don't pay much attention to that. But I would think him adding him, I mean, it's not going to pull, like make the Tar Heels the number one team in the nation, but that would definitely move the needle. And and how they fill out these remaining roster spots, if they can get some impact players, would obviously move the needle. The more depth, the better. And uh, speaking of depth, uh, I've had some interesting conversations with uh, a lot of the members of our Oh Hill Yeah Facebook group. Uh, it was actually commented that from our last podcast, uh, one of the listeners brought up in our Facebook group that he wondered if essentially if Roy Williams playing style could translate now. Uh, a lot of people thought that it that it was worn out and that that's the reason he left. But he had a very specific style when it came to winning. He had a uh, amazing point guard when he won, when he won national championships, either between Joe Barry with experience, Ty Lawson, lightning in a bottle, uh, Raymond Felton, just top more, maybe the top, maybe the number one point guard Royans ever had. That's, that's debatable. Uh, I encourage everybody to l- to listen to a few episodes back, we had the uh, all Roy Williams team 
first team and second team. That was several episodes back. But go listen to that. And that was voted on strictly by the fans. So that was a cool uh, interaction we did. And then he had a he had a great point guard leading the team because he liked the running gun. One or two knockdown shooters. The best the best uh, shooting combo he ever had was Wayne Ellington and, and Danny Green. Those guys you had to guard them getting off the bus, and then depth at the uh, at the center slash power forward position. And usually he had two big guys. Obviously he was noted for that, and a lot of fans at the, at the later years. Um, they didn't like the fact that he played two big guys a lot. Uh, but when he won his national championships, Mr. Guru, he definitely had that all three of those phases hitting. Great shooters, great point guard, and dominant big man and depth at the big man. Usually he had four guys that he could rotate through. Uh, so my question to you is, is that a style that can still win in college? Um, well, the man has definitely had his accolades and one of the greatest coaches of all time. So we can't say that the style did not work. But in this present day and age, I think that um, you're right. Things kind of have evolved a little bit. Um, Roy Williams' team last year, there's a lot of reasons why things didn't go well. And I, I wouldn't blame that solely on Coach Roy Williams' style of play because um, style of play doesn't really change as fast as much people think. Mm-hmm. It's not that now it's two or three years later, now Roy Williams' style is outdated. Even for the last decade, if it was effective in majority of those seasons, then it's still an effective style of play. So I wouldn't even say that the style of play of Roy Williams is not applicable to this modern, um, like modern, when I say modern, I'm talking about this year's uh, and last year's specific NCAA play styles, I'm going to say that Hubert Davis would benefit from trying different things, though. To get the most out of the roster that he's going to have, he's going to have to help them play a style of basketball and bring in the type of personnel that's more hybridized, like what he's trying to do. You need big men that can shoot the three, that can pick, like, you know, can pick up the ball off the dribble and make plays. You need that two-guard set like we already have in place and let these guys pick and play off of each other because that's what next level, the swing game or those swing fours, that's what's the next level in terms of evolution, position-specific and, I mean, for the entire league. So do you, so you, um, do you think that 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 play style, if 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 Hubert Davis had had a you know a point guard, maybe maybe Caleb Love can blossom into a dominant point guard. Uh, it's gonna be hard to 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 say that given he's never played point guard until he got to Carolina. Um, the shooters, obviously, Kerwin Walton's a deadly shooter, but you at least need one more, I would think, that has the ability to knock it down, even when. Um, in 05, when Rashad McCants was only the only shooter, really, you, I mean, David Noel was capable of making it. Um, you know, Raymond Felton made plenty. Same thing in 2017, you know, Joel Berry made his shots. Uh, Theo Pinson really wasn't a shooter. Justin Jackson was a, sn- a sniper. Um, but I think, I th- personally, I believe you can win with that playing style still. Uh, 
it was a definitely a big difference last season. They they hardly ever pushed the pace. It just they wasn't like that team was not capable of it. Period. Um, they struggled horribly from three point line, other than Curl and Walton, and then uh, nobody was really dominant on the inside. Uh, Baycott was still st- he's still developing. Uh, I think he'll have a big jump this season. Garrison Brooks struggled. And then Daron Sharp, he, he, he made the most of his minutes, but uh, he should have played more than Garrison Brooks, in my opinion. Um, really, the last team that you can compare it to that had that playing style, I believe, was the the team with Kobe White, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, Luke May, Garrison Brooks. Um, and even then, those two big men wasn't were not dominant. And Luke May, if anything, this proves your point. Luke May was a shooter or capable of being a shooter. Uh, they ran. Kobe White was an amazing point guard. And then Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson were shooters for sure. And even Kobe White had the ability to shoot. Uh, they just didn't have uh, a dominant um, presence on when it came to the paint area, but they 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 uh, defended well. They were in involved in every rebound. The paint the paint and glass were still areas of impact for the Tar Heels. So I still think that 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 style of play is uh, a a formula for winning a national championship. You just have to have all those components together. It's been a long time since. You put all three of those opponents together: a dominant, dominant big man, capable shooters, really more than capable shooters, um, guys that you you feel like the ball is going to go in the net every time it leaves their hands, and then uh, a dominant point guard. That's hard to that's hard to put together. But obviously, when it was put together, it produced three national championships. No, absolutely, and that's what I was going to say. Just to even sum it up. Um, Hubert Davis just doesn't have the personnel right now to even run mm-hmm. that. Right, and I, I, I like what, what you pointed out. You've got to find, you've got to find your formula. Um, I think he'll take, obviously, parts of Roy Williams' formula and put them because, I mean, he's won over 900 games, so something's working right. But uh, it just depends on what what he what his vision is 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 it going and it seems like it's going to evolve, evolve into having a big man like a uh, a Luke May type player that can still get down in the paint and produce some points but also uh is a threat from the outside um will Brady Manick be a Luke May I mean I don't think he'll obviously be as loved by the fans as Luke May cuz everybody likes the hometown kid that went from a walk on to uh, winning win a national championship and having a game-winning shot. He'll obviously be special in everybody's heart, but he's trying to replicate that top player, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <clears throat> Baycott still is a big man that can be dominant. We'll see. I, I hope this uh, we have a huge jump from him. And then the guard play is going to be the biggest question mark. But uh, it's still I overall, that's still a winning formula. In, in this day's basketball uh, programs, um, like you said earlier, it's not it, we're not that far removed from Roy Williams winning national championships with that formula. 
No, most definitely. And like you said, with Roy Williams, uh, you always got to remember that Roy Williams uh, had a different staff in place as well. So it's Roy Williams and it's also the team that he had around him as well. So um, from front office personnel to player personnel, this is a new look. So we've got to try some new things. Right. And the only he the only the only knock on um that I would have on Roy Williams' uh playing styles is when he didn't have that uh that true four and five big man and uh, capable shooters, it took him uh a decent amount of time through the season to uh adapt to what what the present lineup was, especially the last couple of years. He it took him a while to get the guys going and figuring out what, how we were going to win games, and some of it was just a plain a lack of talent. And last year was uh, lack of talent mixed with lack of experience. You can't teach experience. That's one thing that he could not give them was the experience they needed to become a um, a team that was a national championship contender with the freshmen that he with the freshman that he did have. And speaking of that, um, we're going to take a dive into the one-and-done era of college basketball. And we talked about Roy Williams' formula to win national championships, and usually part of that formula was he had uh, experienced players. Uh, he would have a couple freshmen like a Deion Thompson uh, that would come in and you know be a McDonald's All-American and contribute right off the bat. But historically, um, is the one-and-done the way to go, trying to fill up your roster with one-and-done players like a Duke and Kentucky uh, do? What do you, what's your thoughts about the one-and-done era that we're in right now? Um, I would say that I've had mixed feelings about it. When um, Kentucky was really having their heyday, when you had them, you know, being a force and doing all that one and done, it seemed like that was the right formula. And we were all kind of rooting against um, Kentucky at that point. We didn't want to see them succeed because it was too much. When it came to Duke as well, I mean, if you're a Tar Heels fan, you were going to root against Duke anyway, but it felt kind of like the same thing. Fans don't really like that. If you're a fan of that team, of course you do. But at the same time, I think fans across are always rooting against them. They're seen as the villains of the NCAA. Um, however, I feel like it, if it works, fine. If it doesn't, then you, meet, you need to make some tweaks. But what I've been seeing with that system is that it hasn't worked as effectively as I think a lot of the coaches would be hoping. It doesn't guarantee three back-to-back titles or it doesn't guarantee the title every single season. It's very difficult. You know, upsets always happen. Injuries happen. It's a very risky model, Um, high-risk, high-reward type of model. But I don't think that it should become something that's commonplace only because the guys in their long-term development actually stand a better chance of, developing their game more. Of course, there's always exceptional athletes. I mean, even when I used to watch Kentucky back in, not Kentucky, up Kansas, um, when they had both Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid, I was always thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Joel Embiid, once he gets to the NBA, he's going to be a star. 
And everybody was like, well, you know, he was injured often in college. I was like, nah, man, Joel Embiid's going to be an all-star in the NBA. Look at the way that, you know, he plays. You can tell that he's going to be an NBA player. And there's a lot of players that are like that as well. And Andrew Wiggins, not any slight of him, and he's enjoyed a really decent career in the NBA as well. But I always just felt like Joel Embiid was the better player. Um, and that ended up being the correct assumption. And it happened also in, in other situations where I thought some guys could have used a lot more seasoning before the end of the NBA and then ended up not having the type of careers that they've wanted early on. So the one-and-done system, for me, it should not be commonplace. Honestly, it should not be commonplace. I think that teams stand more of developing their talent. If guys are just ridiculously exceptional, they should be the ones going, but it should not be something that's common. Um, obviously, Duke and Kentucky are known for trying to get the, the top recruits. Um, obviously, everybody goes for the best players they can get, but Duke and Kentucky have really the last – 10 plus years grabbed nothing but freshmen and tried to reload and over that time it's only produced two national championships Duke in 2015 and then Kentucky won another national championship um, really during the one and done era um, you could s- not 2009 but 2017 obviously we were in the middle of the one and done era Roy Williams won uh, a national championship. So he's won a championship just as many times as Mike Krzyzewski has with the way he's uh, coaching. Obviously, um, Duke got close in 2019 when they had the, some say the best recruiting class of all time with the top three uh, incoming freshmen with obviously spearheaded by Zion Williamson. And then another uh, five-star recruit, with um, Trey Jones right down right down the list, uh, he wasn't he wasn't number four, but I believe he was a top twenty recruit. So that was the best recruiting class that we've probably ever seen in college basketball. And North Carolina was just as competitive as they were. Uh, injury bug, not injury bug, but illness bug hit the Tar Heels, and specifically Nasir Little and Cam Johnson both had the flu, and. Uh, Obviously, if you're not Michael Jordan, the flu does bother you enough for for your performance to lack. But I just don't think that the 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 one and done um, formula has really produced. Obviously, it's fun to see uh, these freshmen come in, but you've got to have the the experience mixed with the the knowledge um, to show them that the way. High school basketball and college basketball is a huge step, stepping stone. Obviously, the NBA is on its own planet, but great, great high school players don't all don't always translate to college. And just because you're a great NBA player, eventually doesn't mean you're going to be a great college basketball player in one year. Um, I believe I believe that. Uh, Yes, go after every McDonald's All-American you can get because obviously why wouldn't you? But um, Roy Williams definitely did a great mixture. And we've seen it with uh, with uh, Hebrew Davis already going after five stars, but you've got to have those four-star guys that are going to be there for a couple of years minimum to try to fill out that roster. You can't have – and you're not going to. You're not going – usually you're not going to get eight McDonald's All-Americans 
and that'll be your full depth chart because, uh, you know, those guys will want to go somewhere else to where they can start. Um, there's a reason why the number four player didn't go to Duke in, in 2019. He didn't, he didn't want to play behind Zion or RJ Barrett. So with that being said, I think my, my, my sum up on it is the one and done era. Yes. It's, it's, it's good for basketball because a lot of guys want a lot of people want to see the Zion's. They want to see the Kobe Whites of 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 the NCAA, but it hasn't historically produced uh, to championships. Every other every other championship besides the 2015 uh, Duke Blue Devils and the time that Kentucky won it has been won by teams that have more experienced players. I mean, just look at last year's national championship. Both of those, both of those uh, teams were were filled with a blend of freshmen and experienced players. No, absolutely, and that's that's what I'm saying. The more successful model definitely has been the traditional model of what we've seen in basketball. Um, but like you said, there is no way that we can hate on. Uh, the model at all because you, like you just said you just mentioned one of the NBA's brightest stars right now um in Zion Williams and I mean Zion Williams um so can't even can't even knock that like trust me uh there's been a lot of people that if maybe if they had stayed they still would have been stars perennial stars but yeah people definitely want to see guys like Zion make that next leap uh sooner rather than later and then the last thing we'll touch on it kind of you you kind of just introduced it on accident is the one and done rule good for college basketball and for and for the players really i mean i i i'll, I'll kind of kick it off with the thought of yes you never know when you're going to get injured so go get the mo- go get the money when you can but the washout rate for guys that are our freshmen entering the M- NBA draft that actually secure multiple contracts after their rookie deal is uh, not that impressive, to say the least. And that's what I was going to say, too. I was going to say, um, yeah, if it's about the money, I'm always going to tell guys, go get paid. Uh, get as much money as you can. But at the same time, um, it's just really hard. Not everybody has that superstar level talent. Seems like some people were just born with it. Um, and I don't really believe in that. I think everybody works on it, but there is definitely genetic advantages. It's been studied. I mean, we can't go against science at that point. So I, let me say this before I, somebody says, I don't know. He's like going back and forth. Let me say this. You can be born with genetic advancements. However, your talent still has to be cultivated for it to be realized. That's what I'm trying to say. And knowing that, some guys do take a little bit extra time to develop in terms of their game. It could boil down to when you were coached, at what age were you coached, what AAU club did you play for, what high school like ball did you play for, um, did you work with a private trainer, who was your private trainer. There's a lot of variables that go into the success of anybody. I mean, would I be in the NBA if I, all I did was train with Carmelo Anthony at Carmelo Anthony's facility with Carmelo Anthony's trainers? I might still not be as good as Carmelo Anthony. 
would I have made it to the NBA? I mean, who knows? There's a lot of variables that play into a lot of these things. And like you said, with the washout rate being so high as it is, it's even more credence to the fact that these guys are the best in their state and even some of the best players in the entire United States in terms of their age group and talent level. But it's still not enough for them to succeed in such an even harder sector that then becomes the NBA. Yeah, I would make I would make the argument that the um, the best thing to do for guys that are clearly you clearly if you're not a top five pick, um, and I would even say preseason top five pick, those guys are like Zion Williamson was known to be the number one pick way before and he that's a generational talent. Let's let's not let's not try to compare to him. Like he we knew about him well before he was being able to recruit and that doesn't happen that often. That happens more in NCAA football than in uh, college basketball. Like usually you know about the the quarterbacks that are coming out what like you know about these uh generational talents in um um basketball. Just look at Arch Manning. Uh He's he's been known for a while, and he's not even he get um, scholarship offers yet to play quarterback. But I think that these players that go to the NBA draft out of a freshman season, perfect example, Dayron Sharp, he could benefit, in my opinion, more by coming back a year as a sophomore and playing more minutes. And dominating, and that would improve his draft stock. It happens all uh, that happens more often than not. I would like to do a study if I don't even know how it could happen. Maybe maybe we could do this. It'd take a little bit of time. The study that of guys that come out their freshman year and um, don't make it to their second contract, than guys that come back for a sophomore season and maybe even a junior season and end up being NBA mainstays. And by mainstays, I mean guys that are on the roster, uh, you know, come in, play 13, 14, like Cam Johnson. He he came, He could have potentially uh, left Pitt and went, went to um, the NBA, but he came, he transferred to North Carolina, played two seasons. And look at him; he's on a uh, he has a vital role on the Phoenix Suns. So I think I think it's more likely for you to have success if you if you're not a top ten talent in the NBA right off the bat to come back and develop more because the college game can the college game can do so much for you to transfer to the NBA. Um, you know, learn learn some things. A lot of these guys have great coaches in in college. That the coaching gap between to college and these guys are trying to prepare you specifically for the NBA. Um, so come back for another season and then improve your skills, and I think you'll be more successful of coming back and making it in the NBA than trying to rush it and leave as a freshman just to get the money. And I understand, like, hey, you at the same time, you can come back your first game as a sophomore and tear your Achilles So and not be able to play. You've pretty much wasted that whole season. I, I, I do understand why people leave it as often as they do. But sometimes in the long run, it doesn't work out for you. 
No, definitely. And definitely, that's a study that I'd be interested in seeing as well. And I think that, you know, if the stats on that would show clearly, you would think that more um, agents, trainers, advisors would be telling their clients to actually um, adopt that type of thinking. Right. Yeah, that's something that we'd like to hear from our fans about for sure. All all these topics, uh, you know, adding to this this season's roster, um, how would our CFN? I'm sure we'll hear a lot about Roy Williams' coaching style. Well, can it still produce national championships now? And then the um, it's it seems like it's been a permanent fixture, but thoughts uh, on that, and also, um the likelihood of a guy leaving as a that might be on the fence and being successful versus coming back for an extra season time to, you know, tune, tune his, hone in on his weaknesses and becoming an NBA player that was, was the, what would you do? I mean, I know they can a million dollars thrown in your face. Is, is it worth Take the million the millions of dollars up for versus coming back and maybe considering yourself an investment and making more money down the road. So let's. That's uh, a tough decision. It is, and uh, I respect that decision no matter what it is. Uh, I'm not in their position. Understand? Uh, like you got to take families and take care of yourself. I totally. Agree. But um, I've always, I, I guess, I've always. This will kind of close us. I've always respected the guy that tried to plan for the long run because at 18, 19 years old, to be thinking about the long run, you know, what benefit me when I'm in my 50s or 60s? How will this money still be there? Will I have it spent? Or can I potentially set myself up for the rest of my life if I come back to school? Um, those guys are usually the most successful guys on and off the court, the guys that can, you know, have good time management and life management skills. But – that's all we got for this episode. Um, we really appreciate everybody's support. Uh, look us up on Instagram. The Facebook page has been blowing up. The uh, conversations we have every hard for Tar Heel basketball, as well as as myself and uh, the Guru. Very anxious to see what this product is going to look like as we start a new era in Chapel Hill. So look us up on Instagram. OH underscore heel underscore yeah. Same thing on Twitter. Facebook page, all caps, oh heel yeah. Um, you can find the guru at PantherGuru1. You can find me on Twitter at Carolina Dave NC. Tar Heel fans, we're going to uh, keep, keep coming at you with content. Let us know what you want to hear. As always, we really appreciate you guys and. We're going to give you a oh, heel yeah.